Chapter 3 The moon was a sliver behind low clouds when Alan Joyner started walking. The trip from Michigan City to Gary would be his longest trek so far. He checked his GPS watch to make sure his pace was correct, then adjusted the waistband on his backpack. It weighed 43 pounds, but he barely felt the distributed weight. Ready to put more miles behind him, he positioned his earbuds. His iPod held 160 gigabytes, plenty for the three-month trip. Spare battery packs would last him in between charging at hotels. He pushed play and heard Exodus chapter 14. As the narrator's deep voice described the Israelites' exit from Egypt, he felt a strong kinship. His trek would be significantly shorter than the forty years Moses spent in the wilderness with his people, but the logistics of planning a ninety-eight-day hike were every bit as intimidating. Inside his head, the narrator said, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? and he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt, and captains over every one of them. Alan couldn't resist glancing into the darkness behind him, but saw nothing out of the ordinary. Headlights from passing cars illuminated the glistening footsteps he had left in the ankle-high grass along the highway. Though he wasn't a jumpy person, Alan couldn't help but notice the similarities between Pharaoh's bargain with the Israelites and his deal with that man. Have I made a deal with the devil? Alan looked over his shoulder again. He didn't regret accepting the stranger's offer. He just knew that eventually all the planning he'd done would prove inadequate, whether due to some oversight on his part or the actions of someone else. There was no way he'd make it to San Diego, but he had to try. He glanced back again. It made no sense for a man to set him upon this task, then change his mind and bring his minions bearing down on him. But that's exactly what Pharaoh did after allowing the Israelites to leave Egypt. Then again, none of it made any sense. But the hand of God was obvious in the opportunity he had been given. At least I know where I'm going, he thought. The Israelites had to walk blindly. He shivered at the thought of setting off on such a journey without research, planning, and supply stations along the way. Resisting the urge to look over his shoulder again, he instead checked his pace. 3.3 miles per hour, two-tenths faster than he needed to walk in order to arrive at the next stop by eight o'clock. The stress was not all bad then. It gave him a little extra pep in his step. It was still over an hour until the sun came up. He longed for the pillar of fire that accompanied the Israelites in their sojourn. I'll be wishing for a pillar of clouds by day by the time I get to San Diego. The voice in his ears continued. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Alan took another look at his watch and wasn't surprised to see that his pace had returned to normal and his heart rate had also come down. Though each day was tightly regimented, there were still too many variables. The most meticulous planner in the world couldn't predict every contingency of a 98-day journey. Walking was easy, but the constant changes and alterations tested the limits of his endurance. I can deal with it, 
he assured himself. I don't have to be here. It was my choice and I'd choose to do it again. A thousand times I'd choose it again, even now that I know what I've agreed to. It didn't ease the desire to head straight to the closest Greyhound station. I don't have to like it. I just have to walk.